0: Hello and welcome to From Mrs. To Me, a podcast where you'll be inspired by courageous stories of strength and resilience told by women just like you who have been through the upheaval of divorce. This is their journey from Mrs. To Me, finding their true identity and creating a bold, beautiful life. I'm Chrissy Freeman and I'm your host, a certified life coach and divorce mother of two. Join me each week as we explore real stories of divorce, and what it takes to transform and live in alignment with the real you. Hello, and welcome to another episode of From Mrs. to Me. I'm Chrissy Freeman, Divorce Empowerment Coach and your host. You are going to love the insights shared in this episode. While most of our episodes are real-life stories of divorce, I also think it's really important to provide resources to the listeners out there and experts to support you on your journey through divorce, which is why I'm excited to share our next guest with you, Rachel Burns. Rachel is the founder of True Worth Financial Planning, a fee-only registered investment advisor focused on helping newly single women achieve financial independence after divorce. Through her own experiences with trauma and money, She felt a calling to support and empower other women going through life's most challenging transition. Rachel helps women come up with a plan for managing their finances after divorce that makes them feel confident and empowered. She is also an author of a book titled SOAR, S-O-A-R, Four Simple Steps to Confidently Manage Your Finances After Divorce. So, Rachel, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Chrissy. I appreciate it. Yeah. So, to jump in, um, I would love you to tell us a little bit about you. Um, and while your story isn't one of divorce, it is one of making a pivot. Yeah. And having to overcome fear of potential loss and big life change. So yeah. can you tell me more about this shift and sure. why you created this business? Sure. So professionally, I'm a financial
1: planner and have been for quite some time. Um, didn't really get into the divorce fields specifically until a few years ago. Um, on a personal note, I have little twin 5-year-old boys and I'm married and I'm still married. So I always tell p- people that, you know, I I work in divorce. I am not divorced. I do not have personal experience being divorced, but I do have experience in changing, adapting my financial plan as a result of major life changes. And everyone all of us have unexpected life changes that are going to happen at some point. Really no one is immune to life happening to them and you know there's different things that happen to people. Sometimes they you know their parents pass away or their spouse passes away or they get divorced or their kids grow up and leave the house or they get retired like so there's good shifts and bad shifts but there are so many of these massive life shifts and these Impact your finances in a major way, and so you have to kind of re-evaluate your finances at a time when you're probably pretty stressed out about whatever life event is going on. And so, my stressful life event was um, right when I found out that I was pregnant with my twins. I also found out that my husband has a brain tumor, and um, he had surgery, he had chemo and radiation, and all this treatment while I was getting more and more pregnant. And then the the kids are born and, and, uh, his health actually stabilized and he has been doing remarkably well. It's been almost six years since his last five years since his last treatment. Yeah. So that has been a huge blessing. Um, but at that time, my life was changing so drastically in so many ways at the same time, you know, I had I was going to have two babies and my husband's health was very, very unknown. We, the, they, they told us when he was diagnosed, don't Google the type of tumor he has just kind of live your life and do what you need to do. But to, like, cause the statistics were so bad, so, so bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's really a statistical anomaly, but he's doing, he's doing really well. But anyways, during that time, I'm thinking, okay, I don't know what's going to happen with him. And I know I'm going to have two babies all of a sudden. That was twice as many babies as I was expecting to have. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, two. Okay. Surprise! Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm looking at my financial future, my just my life future differently, obviously. Everything was going to change. And there were a lot of decisions that need to be made. There were a lot of preparations that needed to be made, a lot of kind of worst-case scenarios that needed to be explored because they were very real. And that was a really stressful time. And I am a financial person. I mean, I have been in this industry for 15 years, and that was still very overwhelming for me. And um, we got through it. And once we got through it, looking back on it, I thought wow, that would have been a lot worse. If I had zero experience with finances, I, I could have very easily been in a different line of work or not been working at all and not be involved in the family finances. And that's a, that's the situation for a lot of people who are, you know, either they're getting divorced or they're, or they're you know, widowed or whatever. Like there's a lot of people where they are the one that was not in charge of the money in the relationship. It's a very, very common like dynamic. And so I thought, wow, that could that could have been a lot worse. And I'm really grateful that I had the comfort level with the financial part of those decisions because there were plenty of other things to be very uncomfortable about. So I felt fortunate in that way. And I thought, I really want to pivot my career so that I'm helping other women who are in a similar situation, who are going through tough times in their life. They need someone to guide them through these financial decisions but with a little bit more empathy than maybe the average financial advisor. And I thought I have the, these kind of unique skills and experiences that allow me to help people in that situation. And I was like that's what I want to do. I don't want to work with non-women in transition. I don't like I, that's all I do. I'm really hardcore about that niche now. I really don't work with anyone else anymore. And it's just been the most gratifying experience, imaginable, because that's all I do every day. And
0: I love it so much. Oh, amazing. Well, you know, one of the reasons, one of the major reasons I wanted to have you on the show is because I hear from women all the time that one of the reasons it actually took them so long to leave the marriage was because of the financial insecurity. And so you know i'm curious for our audience out there what do you think is sort of the first step that they should take as they prepare for divorce or being a single income household yeah
1: yeah i would say wh- whether wherever you are in that decision making process if you're just considering getting divorced or if you were just told by your spouse that they want to divorce wherever you are The first step is to just assess your financial situation. You need to know what the two of you have together before you can figure out what you're going to have on your own at some point. And for some people, some people already have an idea of what their finances look like. And if that's the case, then that's great. Maybe just get a little bit more details, like make a list of where your accounts are held and how much is in these different accounts and what types of accounts and those types of things. But for some people, for some people, they're like, I don't even know where to start. I have no idea where our money is. I have no idea if we have investments. I don't know if we have retirement accounts. I don't know how much we owe on the house. There, I mean, there's a lot of people who are just like, I just don't know. And they, they are often embarrassed that they don't know. But I always tell them, I'm like, that's normal. That doesn't mean that's the preferred way, but it's super normal. And you should never feel embarrassed about that because even if you're rusty and you haven't been in touch with the finances, you can always learn. You can always get back in and get involved. It's never too late to do that. So don't ever feel bad. Like, Oh my gosh, I don't even know how to log into my 401k. Like, don't worry about it. Most people don't. So, but, but,
0: you do need to figure it out going forward. That's really important. Yeah, it, it's huge. And I'm so glad that you said that about... To, don't be embarrassed. You know, so many people go through this because there was so much shame in that for myself when I went through divorce. I mean, yeah. my you mentioned earlier, and it, it was my story. My former spouse was in charge of all the expenses. He was the primary breadwinner. And he always, he didn't want me to look at the um, finances. He didn't want me to manage them. And so it was extremely scary to think about, wow, I mean, I don't know how to invest. I don't know where to put my money. I don't, I have no idea what to ask for during the divorce. I know nothing. And there was so much shame around that. And it was, you know, one of the big reasons why I waited so long to make a really hard decision. Um, And so, yeah. So as, you know, as I think about that, what is, if you were to say sort of that first step to managing your money after divorce, like what is, you know, as you, you, we, we sit there and we're so overwhelmed, right. And whether that's, you know, loss of a loved one, or it's actually divorce, you know, it's, it can be very sudden and you're almost frozen in this place of, I don't know what first step to take. And so if you were to tell, you know, a woman that comes to you, Hey, Rachel, what do I even do? What is my first step? Yeah. Uh, What would you tell them? So I think the first step for a newly divorced person is the
1: same for a soon to be divorced person, which is assess your financial situation. Because if you're still married and you're facing divorce, you need to understand your current finances and then you can kind of figure out how they'll be split between you. But once that's happened, you need to reassess again, <laughs> because okay. once the, once things have been split, once the dust settles, you need to know what you have to work with and that's hard to visualize until you get through it and things are actually physically split because it's like when you're looking at a, at a separate or a, you know, an MSA and you're okay, this person gets these things and these, this person gets these things. It's hard to conceptualize that. So you need to conceptualize it though. So you just, you basically make a list of what you have and where it is and what it's worth. And just that level of awareness Can be a big step for someone. It's like, wow, that's more money than I thought we have, or that's less money than I thought we have. Either way, like usually that's kind of an eye opening experience, just doing an inventory of what you have. And then once you have that inventory, you can start strategizing okay, what do I need to do with these things that I have? You know, are they fine where they are? Do I need to change the? ownership? Do I need to put new beneficiaries on this? Do I need to change my investments? That's kind of more advanced stuff, but you need to know, like, just understand your big picture. That's just step number one. And that part is actually not super hard. You just have to sit down and do it and like face the facts. And that's not, it's easier said than done. It's like, it's like being emotionally ready to face the facts. That's kind of the hard part.
0: Yeah. And, and, and that's why this is such a great conversation because I think it is when you're leading with a a lot of emotion, it is very hard to really sit down and get clear, you know, kind of clear out all that noise. And what is it that I need to do to take care of myself and my family going forward? Yeah. And so, um, Yeah. No, this is super helpful. I mean, really even just reassessing, looking at what you have, you know, I didn't even know that you can make a simple budget for yourself. You know, it's sort of, I had never had to do that. I mean, I married at such a young age that I I really didn't even need to do that prior to, to my divorce. And so, you know, it's, that is a simple thing, right? A simple tool that you can do is what do you have? Let's look at what you have, what's coming in, and what's going out. (laughs) It's that simple. Yeah. You have to know
1: what you have in terms of assets, you know, like the accounts that you have or the investments that you have. And then you need to know the debts too. That's one kind of piece, but then there's, okay, what's coming in and going out. So what you have in terms of assets and debts is one thing. And then the income and the expenses are the other thing. And both of those are really, really, really important because if you only have this much coming in and you have this much going out and there's a negative, that's a problem. It's, you're just going to have to figure it out. And it's not fun. No one likes budgeting. And you don't, I'm not saying you have to sit down and start crossing things off of your budget that you're not allowed to have anymore, but you do need to just make a simple list of your expenses. And if you ask me to do that right now, I'd be like, I don't even know what we spend on Like, it's something I think yeah. it's a good exercise for everyone to do, but especially if you've just gone through a big change, because if you're newly divorced and you're used to a grocery budget for a family of four, and now you're, it's just you. And then you have the kids part-time that's going to look different or yeah. your utility bills are going to be different. Or what if your spouse was the one that was do in the pool. And now you have to pay someone to do it. It's just like, there, there are all these weird little things that change that you don't even think about, but you just need to be aware of.
0: Yeah. Such good, such good uh, points. And, you know, I think for, we think about like today, so, you know, it's, there's so much uncertainty right in the world. And, you know, one of the things that I also hear, and I know is a concern for people is, you know, in a market like this, that is sort of so volatile and, you know, it's up and down and all around and the interest rates are so high. If, if women want to grow their savings and that's truly right now, they just want to grow that a little bit. Um, what do you advise clients? You know, is there, is there sort of a safest place where you tell them, you know, is it like, Cause I, I felt like, I don't know. I just keep it in my savings account. Like, isn't that what I'm supposed to do? And then I'm like, Oh God, wait, am I getting, making any interest off that? I don't know. Um, is there any guidance that you give women, you know, when they're just like, what do I do with the savings that I have right now? Yeah.
1: yeah I would say savings, like the places that you save money and the amount of money that you earn, it's on a spectrum. And the lowest end of the spectrum, the lowest risk thing, places you can put money like, uh, let's, let's look, look at really, really safe. Let's say you literally stack cash in a safe and it's in your house and it's fireproof. That's about as safe. Okay. safe sentence, I guess. <laughs> That's really safe. You know, a bank going under is not going to impact you. The stock market crashing, not going to impact you, but it's not growing at all. It's just the amount you have in there today is the amount that's going to be in there 10 years from now, as long as you don't touch it. So that's like one end of the spectrum. Um, and that's a fine place to put money, but you just need to understand the limitations. <laughs> so then on the other end of the spectrum are like super, super risky investments like Bitcoin or, you know, these like stocks that you hear GameStop or, or like random people start getting involved in the stock market. And it's like incredibly volatile stuff. Where you hear about people making tons and tons of money in a short amount of time, but it's so extraordinarily risky, and they could have just as easily lost it all. That's on the other end of the spectrum, and there's like gazillion things in between those two things, um, which can be extremely overwhelming. Which I think is why a lot of people are like, "Oh, I don't even want to deal with it. I don't want to look at it." But for the most part, you're going to be on like the kind of boring end of the spectrum. And there are places you can put money, especially now the, the bad thing is that interest rates are higher. It's bad. If you're buying a house or borrowing money for some other purpose, that's, that's a bummer, but it's really, really great if you're saving because interest rates on savings accounts are higher. Now, if you're at a big, big bank, like Wells Fargo or bank of America, they're not going to pay you very much. Cause they don't have to, cause they're a big giant bank. And they're, they're just like you, if you want to, they're not going to incentivize you to whatever they're, they're They don't have to pay a super high rate, but there are plenty of other online banks that have less overhead because they don't have bank locations that pay 5% or even more than that. Like I, I know a lot of clients who have high yield savings accounts that are paying over 5%. And it's just in a savings account, it's not invested in the market. It's not subject to risk. And there's FDIC insurance for a certain amount of your savings at a bank and um, getting 5% return on your savings compared to getting 0% on your savings account B of A is a really, really big jump. That's like a big, exciting bonus you can get. Like it, it will just start making you money every month just sitting there. And it's so exciting. It's so exciting to see interest roll into an account every month. And I'm, I see people all the time where they just have a chunk of savings. It's just sitting there. And I'm like, you could just move it into a different account and make 5%. And if you've got a big chunk of money that can end up, it's a significant amount of money. So, um, it just takes, it just takes some research. You just got to look around at what things are paying and weigh the pros and cons of moving the funds from wherever they are now. But you have options and the options are really good right now. We're in a good climate for um interest
0: on savings. Yeah. And I'm, I'm so glad you said that because I I learned so much recently about these high yield accounts. And there's so many of them. And I actually did my own research. I was so proud of myself. I did my own research. I I had sold my home and so I had this cash and I was like, I literally was keeping it in this savings account and it was not making any money. And I can't, a friend of mine said to me, you know, really, I can't remember how they came up in the conversation. And she's like, you know, you really should look into these. And it's so easy to research and find yeah. these high yield accounts. And now my money is starting to make money. And it's such a beautiful thing to see that. So it's like these easy things you can do. So, um, which leads me to my next question in terms of, um, working with you. So, What, what would you say is sort of the most common reason why women reach out to you either pre or post divorce?
1: I would say it's because they don't feel confident about their finances, whatever that means to them. Sometimes they're like, I don't know what our finances even look like. And I need someone to help me figure that out. Or sometimes they'll come to me and they'll be like, "I, I feel like I don't have the baseline knowledge to be able to manage this stuff on my own and I can help them kind of educate them. Or if they're like, I just need help planning for the future. I need the specific strategies that I need to put into place to, to get to where I want to go in the future. So those are the things that I help with kind of big picture, just like making them feel more secure with their current finances and then their future finances too.
0: Yeah. Which is huge. And I would love to hear more about, so I mentioned at the beginning, um, about your book that you've also written, which is called SOAR, um, which I love that. Um, and I love the acronym. Um, so can you talk to us a little bit about that? Um, what, I think there's four strategies. Is that right?
1: Yeah. Um, So So when I, Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah. So when I work with a client on a financial plan, so I do, I work with people in a few different ways. Sometimes I just work on an hourly basis, like during their divorce, but once they're divorced, I ch- typically do a financial plan for them. And I take them through the same process every time. Obviously it's highly, highly customized for each person, but the, the process is, is kind of the same. And that's what I, that's what, where the book came from is that process, and I called it SOAR, um, which is an acronym for set goals, organize or get organized, um, assess, so kind of gather all the details, and R is review. And so, like whether you do that with someone like me or whether you do that on your own, it's kind of the same process. And when you think about it in terms of just this like four step process, it's not that big of a deal. Obviously each step is there's work involved in it and you have to find some stuff. It's a, it's a project, but conceptually it's not that complicated. And that's why that's what I want to convey to people. Like, look, look, this is not rocket science. This is not easy. It's not something you're just going to be like, Oh, I just figured it all out in an afternoon, but it's not rocket science. And if it's something that's important to you, if it's something that's bothering you, then you can totally figure this stuff out with a little bit of help. You can totally do that. And you don't have to worry like you are now going forward. And so my book just kind of introduces the process and and kind of tells people how they can implement that on their own. And of course I'm here if people need help or if they want part of that done for them. But, um, the process I think is really approachable.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's it, you know, is breaking it down. I love that acronym by the way. I think it's fantastic. Um, it's really breaking that down and there's nothing more empowering Then looking at your finances and saying, I've got this. I've got this. Like, okay, I know what's going in and out. And maybe you're not, you know, trading daily, (laughs) but you don't need to reach for that yet. It's like one step at a time, take a look at what you have, get organized as one of your acronym is, you know, assess and then review. That's why it's so perfect because that, that is so simple, but yet. I think it seems so daunting yeah. for, for us when, you know, you again are, are just, you've never done it before. It's like anything, right? It's like, yeah. you know, one of the things that, that I, I talk to a, a lot of my guests about is like, when we lean into that discomfort, that's when change happens. And this is just another one of those uncomfortable things that once we take the time and we actually do some work around it. It's so empowering to say, wow, this is another thing that I can do on my own. And that's, I think so valuable.
1: And there's such a sense of relief once it's like, oh, I can check off that box. That's something that I don't need to worry about anymore. And I, for me personally, if I have to go through some sort of uncomfortable experience, I always try to think about, oh, I'm really looking forward to the relief I'm going to feel once that's done. Like I remember thinking that when I was in grad school, we had to do all these presentations and back then I didn't used to enjoy them. I'm so used to it now and I enjoy it now. But back then I'd be like, oh, like I'd be kind of getting nervous waiting for my turn. And I'm like, oh, I'm just going to, I'm going to feel so good when it's done. And it was so much easier to feel that way than to be like, Oh my gosh, this is going to be so miserable or so embarrassing or so painful or whatever. There's so much relief at the other end for when you put in the time to figure this stuff out. You're going to feel really, really good afterwards. That's a huge like burden to be lifted from your psyche. I think when you no longer have to worry about money. And I'm not saying that, Oh, you just go through these steps and you're going to magically have all the money you need, but you're going to at least know your situation and you're going to have a general kind of plan going forward, which I think
0: provides a lot of relief. Yes. Oh, completely. And I'd love to just like kind of pivot for just a minute and, um, talk about, you know, we talked in the beginning about your pivot, but one of the things that you said, um, really resonated with me, which is you said you love the work that you do. And I love to talk about that with people because we can define what, as women, what, what we want to do. You know, we can, even if, you know, we're working for, you know, a big corporation or, you know, and we are like, oh, God, I can't leave that because, you know, then I won't have any money. Yeah. <laughs> um, You know, I, I would love to talk to you about, because you've, you've had all of this experience working in the financial industry. Um, tell me about how you made this happen. Like how your mindset around, because a lot of women after divorce get stuck in this fear of, I can't do this. And I know you're married, but still. It doesn't yeah. matter. There's still, when you have this job that you are, have been doing and you rely on for so long, it's scary to take that step. Yeah. How did you overcome that yeah. to create this business?
1: So even though I, I am married and my husband has been working this whole time and having his income is the reason why I was able to pull this off. Like I did, um, And I'm not going to say, Oh, everyone should just quit their job and start their own business. It's like, no, no, no. There's more to that. I was in a position of privilege where we had dual incomes, me stopping mine for a little bit. Wasn't that big of a deal, but here's the thing. We didn't know what his life expectancy was. We didn't know how long he'd be able to work. It could have been like two weeks later and he could be unable to work. So it was almost as if I had to pretend like that wasn't there. And so... That was really scary to me. And I'm someone who prepares and I'm someone who calculates risk. And so the idea of me leaving my very stable job with benefits and whatever, um, and potentially having an, an interruption to his income as well, was really scary. And we had little kids. And so that wasn't something I took lightly. But that is a risk that is measurable. That's not a, oh, like, so it's, it's not like a vague, Like you can actually measure that risk. It's like, okay, let's say his income stops and mine takes this amount of time before I'm actually profitable in my business. And I could guess that because I calculated, okay, this is what my fees are going to be. This is how much I'm going to work. This is kind of what I could expect in terms of income and how long it's going to take to ramp that up. Let's say we have no income during that time. How much could we live off of? What things could we cut out? What things are in place to protect us like disability insurance or life insurance. And I just, I calculated the risk and I'm like, that's a risk worth taking to me. And that's something that we talked about. And he was in agreement and the farther along I got the, the more that risk was reduced. And then eventually it was gone. And it wasn't that scary because it was measurable. And like if, if I didn't have his income, it would still be the same process. It would be like, okay, let's say it's going to take this long before I'm making money. How much money do I need in the meantime? Can I save that for some people? They can't. And so for some people, they, you know, if they have several kids or if they, have I don't know, there's all sorts of reasons why you need to have money. <laughs>
0: Right, we wish we didn't have to, but yes. If you can just move back in with your mom and
1: just eat top ramen or whatever, it's like sure, I can start my own business. But you know, you do need to calculate your own risk because uh, you know my risk is going to be different than everyone else's. So I love that. Yeah, yeah, but it's measurable. It's figure outable. And then, and but when I was, these are the risks. But this is the benefit. I was like, oh, totally worth it. I will do whatever needs to be done if something happens in order to make this happen. And, and I got, I, I got there, I got through it and it's just so, I mean, the risk reward, the the reward was so high. So,
0: and, it, and now you have the flexibility and you have probably all the things that you wanted having kids everything. at home. And,
1: yeah, yeah. I have everything I've wanted. Like career wise, I have everything I could ever want. And whenever I talk to someone who's not happy with their career, I'm like, Oh, it doesn't have to be that way. Like you can find something. And I realize that not everyone knows this is what I'm passionate about. And this is what I want to do. But even if you don't know, you can get closer, you can figure out, you can try stuff. And well, I don't like that. And I do like this. And but you don't have to be miserable in your career.
0: Yeah. And I love, you know, so many nuggets that you shared that are so good. I mean, first of all, first of all, you know, measure isn't measurable and you can't, it, it, that is, is part of the process is ass- you do need to assess risk. I absolutely agree with that, especially if you're going to make a leap, meaning you're just going to leave what you know behind and you're going to take on a new career. Yeah, But I do think there's ways to start taking steps to your point, you know, to say, you know what, okay, I have a full-time job, but my kids are with, if you talk about divorce, you know, my kids are with their dads on these, these nights. So why don't I spend that time, you know, researching looking at taking classes online, you know, or going to classes, whatever works with your schedule, but you now have this time that you didn't have before. And I think sometimes, you know, after divorce, women get sort of stuck in this, um, oh my God, you know, I, 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 how am I going to move forward? And, you know, I just need to meet somebody else right away or, you know, versus healing and, doing what feels good to them and creating a life that is authentic and true to who they are. And so that leads me to my last question for you, which is, I, I ask, all my, I like to ask all my guests um, to end, is how do you define authenticity for yourself? For myself...
1: I and I don't know when this happened, but at some point I really stopped caring about what anyone else thought. Well, you got it at <laughs> like, some point, almost to a fault. Where I, I'll like be, I'll take my kids to school and they're in kindergarten, so that I have to walk them up and stand on light. So it's not like I can just boot them out of the car. And I'm like in my pajamas half the time, or my hair is like. And I'm like, I just don't care. Should I care? I don't care though. But the same goes for things I'm going to do in my business or th- like whatever it is that I'm doing. I, ca- I care about other people deeply. Like I, I care, like, I don't, I want to, I never want to hurt anyone. And I want to make sure that, and I want to help people as much as I can in my career. But in terms of like Oh, well, if I want to do this thing that I want to do, but what will someone else think? Like that thought hasn't entered my mind in so long. And I'm like, Oh, what a freeing feeling because there are a lot of people who can't move forward with whatever thing that they want to do because they're worried about what their parents are going to say or their spouse or someone. And I just don't do that anymore. And I'm like, Oh. That was—I don't know when exactly that happened, but I don't think it's just an age thing. Well, I think some of that is age, but I think I just became so secure with who I am and where I am, where I am in my life, and what I'm doing. Like I'm like, I'm good, and if someone else didn't agree, then I seriously don't care.
0: Oh, what a gift, what a gift though, that you've given yourself <laughs> because yeah. honestly, yeah, I, you know, I'm in the same place in my life now too. And, you know, it, it's crazy to actually think back that at some of the things that used to worry me yeah. or, you know, I used to get anxious about on how other, what other people thought and decisions I would make. And, you know, oh, it, it's so freeing to your point when you finally let go of that. and. You you know just live in alignment with who you are. It's so yeah. beautiful. Yeah. And so, um, Rachel, I this has been such a great conversation. I want to tell the audience um, how they can get in touch with you, how they can find you. What's the best way to reach out or work with you?
1: Yeah, I would say go, uh, visit my website. It's trueworthfp.com. F is in financial. P is in planning. My website is a good place to start. There's a button where you can book a free 30 minute strategy session. And I love talking to people and I would love to hear about your situation and give you a couple of nuggets or, you know, or what you know, however I can help, whether it's referrals or even if it's, even if working with me, isn't the best option, I, I'm still going to, you're going to walk away with something. So I think that's the best place to start. I'm on social media. I'm trying to get back into it. I'm on Instagram and LinkedIn and Facebook um and then my book will be published hopefully very very soon and I'll ha- I'll definitely have that on my website um so that would probably be the best place to go for that and then eventually it'll be published so it'll be on Amazon and stuff but it, it'll definitely be on on my website as well great
0: okay well I'll also include that in the show notes for those of you listening you can find Rachel's information there And also, if you're interested in joining the From Mrs. To Me community, you can find us on Facebook at FromMrsToMe.com, Rediscovering You After Divorce, where we're currently working through a 30-day intention challenge. So come join us. And if you like this episode, please subscribe, rate, drop a review. And as I always say, remember, you can't pour from an empty cup. So, keep going on that inner work, and I'll see you next time. I hope you enjoyed another episode of From Mrs. to Me Real Life Stories of Real Women and Their Journey of Transformation After Divorce. I'm Chrissy Freeman, and if you like this episode, please drop a review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Do you have a story to share? Are you ready to inspire other women on their journey through divorce? If so, find me on Instagram at From Mrs. To Me. For more tools and resources on creating your path to transformation after divorce, follow my community on Facebook, From Mrs. To Me, Rediscovering You After Divorce.